Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team to left center deep god brewers lead it and a swing and a miss he struck him out down the line and that's the ball game hey brewers fans welcome to the latest and greatest episode of brewers unfiltered we have an amazing show planned for you as always but i know we're extra excited for this one because we have a very exciting guest but first let me introduce my co-hosts the man with the most majestic beard in the biz, Tim Dillard, yeah. and some <laughs> schmuck named Adam McAlvey. <laughs> with a slightly less majestic beard. <laughs> Tim, have you ever found a gray hair in your beard? Yep. Every one of them I find, I just rip it out. I rip it out. I don't I don't need that. Eventually, they'll all be gray. I think that's probably coming soon, uh, especially since okay. I retired from playing when everything seems to be just so difficult now. But I don't know. I'm just going to keep ripping them out until they just there's too many. I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, I I have not found any gray hairs in my beard. And that's for a very simple solution. I cannot grow a beard. Oh, so <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like 13 year old prepubescent boy. I think my nephew, who is 13 years old and is a prepubescent boy, grows a better beard than I do. And it hurts every time I see him. I'm like, man, I wish I could grow <laughs> facial hair like that. But unfortunately, here I am stuck with a patchy chin of doom and <laughs> my pale complexion just pokes right through. It, it's a hard life. You know, we can't all be Tim Dillard. Nobody Sorry, I got us off track. Yeah. Oh, you're good. Shame. You're good. It's because we're in a happy mood because uh, we don't have to talk through a one and nine streak that really has everyone bummed. Instead, the Brewers have a winning homestand. They just took a series from the Blue Jays, who are a great team in the AL East. The offense showed up and really put on a show, supported Chi-Chi Gonzalez yesterday. We're recording on Monday, by the way. You'll get this on Tuesday. So I, I think we're all in a good mood, Tim, right? Got to be in a good mood, especially taking away uh, two from the Blue Jays because they're a power club, right? Mm-hmm. They came off playing the Reds, not really known for their power. It's like, how are they going to play against good teams? Splitting with the Cardinals, they got they score runs, right? They're like third in MLB in hits and fourth in runs scored. And then, of course, the Blue Jays are third in MLB and OPS. So that right there just shows, hey, the Brewers can rise to the occasion. And that's what I saw in this entire homestand was just the fact that the they would put up runs when they needed to. And it was doing it one through nine. It wasn't just one or two guys. It was nine guys going out there. Um, and we haven't really seen a lot of that, probably dating back to maybe late April. 
Um, so yeah, it was good. They got to feel good to be a Brewers fan right now. To me, I, I take away uh, Corbin Burns. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in the rotation right now with Peralta, Woodruff, Aaron Ashby, all on the injured list. Brandon Woodruff will be back this week with uh, the opener in Tampa Bay. That's a big deal for the Brewers. But look, you need your dude to be a dude. And Corbin Burns was like the stabilizer, the stopper, the ace, whatever baseball language you want to use. And you need that. Um, and I thought his out, particularly his, uh, his, his second outing on the homestand against the Blue Jays was just, it was really big. It was just what they needed. As you said, really good offense. My over-under for Vlad Jr. home runs in the series was going to be 1.5. So if you took the under, you would have won because he hit zero. Um, so I, I thought Corbin Burns was uh, a, a big part of keeping things together. And now they're getting, you know, they lose Hunter Renfro to the IL, another IL move. But in the bigger picture, they're getting healthier. So um, I think Corbin Burns ha- has helped them big time get through this period. Yeah, like you said, though a big staple in the rotation when they need it with the injuries. Thankfully they're getting healthier and getting the number one, a one B combination back in the rotation because Brandon Woodruff returns. And before his return, we actually had the opportunity to sit down with him right when he got back from Wisconsin, talk to him a little bit about what's it like up in Appleton and some commonalities he shares with Tim Dillard. So enjoy this interview. Okay, Tim and I are here with a milestone on the Brewers Unfiltered podcast, our first Major League All-Star. Ooh. And instead of, like, starting small, we went big with a two-time Major League All-Star, Mr. <laughs> Brandon Woodruff. Thank you for joining us, Brandon. Yeah, of course. This is uh, – I like doing this kind of stuff, just talking and and just seeing how everybody's doing. So this is, this is easy. Well, you know us. We're always doing good. Yeah. Uh, and I want to start with – both of you, because Tim, how do you pronounce your hometown? Is it where you were born? Is it Satillo or Satillo? Well, I was born in Bradenton, Florida, but I went to high school in Saltillo, <laughs> Mississippi. Saltillo. Saltillo. Sal- okay, but Look, if I, you're, I'm already it, off to a bad. Start. In Mexico, it's Satillo. There's a Satillo, Mexico. Uh, <laughs> okay. But if you're from Saltillo, it's how do you pronounce it, Woody? Saltillo. Saltillo. <laughs> There's an A on the end. Saltillo. Okay. Saltillo, Mississippi. Okay. So, before you guys get going, and I just don't say anything else, which I assume is going to happen in this oh. podcast, if you start in Seltilla and you go up to Wheeler, which is the high school where Brandon Woodruff graduated, correct? Yep. That's you correct. take U.S. Highway 45. That's right. That's the quickest route, right? Wait, new 45 or old 45? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it depends on, yeah, it depends on new 45. You'll be there in yeah. 15, 20. Okay. Old 45 is going to take a little bit longer. Well, let's, let's go on the new one, right? Because what ha- do you guys know what happens if you start at the home or the high school of Tim Dillard and you go up 45 to Brandon Woodruff and you keep going? Do you know where you end up? Either if you keep on going, you're going to be Like in- really, really keep on going. Corinth? Okay, I'll cheat. Like I'll answer Corinth? for you. It's Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. About 10 hours north. It'll yeah. take you a while. So, well, I don't know. That's my fun fact. I wish it would have taken you right to American Family Field, but you have to, you know, a little jaunt because it'll take you basically to the zoo. Yeah, deviate. Gotta the Milwaukee okay. Zoo. So, okay. I don't know. Are we going to hear stories about your guys' hometowns here? Let's hear about Woody's. Go for it, man. Sure. Yeah. I mean. It, yeah. Tell us about Wheeler High School. All right. So, all right. Be- best way to describe Wheeler, you um, 
off get off 45 highway 45 you see wheeler south boomville you take the exit all right and and like the 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 thing is when you get off and you come into wheeler you come over two two humps tim if you remember you went to a baseball camp when you were young so you come over two two hills and you come down into wheeler and all you see is farming fields and and then a couple of houses start popping up, and then you come up to the railroad tracks. Once you cross the railroad tracks, you have the Wheeler Country Store. You have where you get your haircut. Then you come up to the stop sign. No red lights, mind you. Um, come up to the stop sign, and you can take a right or a left, and you're going to meet at the same exact spot if you go all the way around. So it just makes a circle. Um, and the high school's on one corner. You got the uh, Methodist Church uh, to the left. You got the Baptist Church right when you pull up to the stop sign. So uh, that's about it. It makes a circle, and then the community just kind of goes from there. But yeah, that's that's the pretty much to... it. And I live in I live in the yeah, circle. And that's the so. only way to get there too. You can't you can't map it. There's no road atlas. You have to follow no. those directions. No, there's there's only one. <laughs> I like way the barbershop. <laughs> it's there's the place you get your hair cut. <laughs> yep, uh, right there. <laughs> Tim, do you ever play there? Yeah, so that's a. Do you ever play at that high school? Uh, I think so. I don't think they were in the same division or anything like that. But I think a few okay. like summers. No. I think I played there more for uh, American Legion baseball than anything else. Yeah, Woody, I don't know if I've even ever asked you this. When you were a kid, were you always pitching? Um, yeah, but I, I was more of a hitter first. Um, I played. See, growing up, actually, when I first started getting into travel ball, I, I caught because I had a good arm, so I was able to throw the kids out. Yeah, Tim, yeah, heck yeah. Caught a little bit in high school. Um, and so I caught first, and I was just always able to throw harder than the other kids, and then finally I just kind of started pitching. And But it was just one of those things I just pitched because I could throw hard, and that was it. Um, and then going all the way through high school and even into college, I still hit, but I knew – once I got to college, I realized that that pitching was kind of my my way into pro ball. Give us give us some high school numbers. Give us some of your numbers, batting okay. average or wins or something like that. I think I had so batting average. I know my senior year I hit like six fifty, but check this: I only had like forty at bats <laughs> because I, I let off and I got intentionally walk the first at bat of the game or no they would they would let me hit the first at bat and i usually hit a homer and then after that i was intentionally walking <laughs> so that's kind of how my um we actually had another guy um you, you know the wilsons uh yeah. tim uh lee which is my age tyler would have been my brother's age zach, uh, zach right? would have been more more your age probably yeah, i played with zach in legion ball yeah so yeah. Th- this family also lives in wheeler and the Tyler and, and Lee both played at Lipscomb in, in Nashville. So um, when I when when Lee was there, I had somebody to, you know, we kind of protected each other in the lineup. So I got pitched to a little bit more with, with him in there. So, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I probably hit – I think I hit for my career probably five or 600. I don't know what it was. It was, it was good, though. I mean, if a guy could throw over 80 miles an hour, that was like – it was like okay, we're in Legit. trouble. Big time. There's we're, scouts yeah, flying. If in. it was, if an eight popped up on the fastball, then you're in trouble. If it started with an eight. Wait, your yeah. did your high school have a gun like a like a on the scoreboard? No, heck, oh heck. Oh, okay, I was gonna I say mean, that'd be big. League, no, man. no, no. Um, so senior year going through the draft, like I mean, there was twenty twenty five scouts in every game. So, um, 
you would run into some kids in the division that were good that could play junior college ball, and if they could throw over eighty, man, it was it was going to be a shutout. I had to strike out like fifteen a game just to just to get a win. I averaged <laughs> over three strikeouts an inning uh, my senior year because of the drop third strike. <laughs> so I was almost at four. Wait, is that actually true? No, that's, that's very not true. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. Yeah. Wow, yeah. incredible! How did you fall to the fifth round, man? That's crazy. Because well, that should be one one. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. Because I never. I never, I was, I don't know, I was, I guess I was pretty, pretty good about, I never gave the teams a number of what I wanted. Uh, I knew it was going to take a lot, but I didn't have an exact number in mind. So I never told them a number and I told them college was important to me. And then, um, so that's kind of where it happened uh, in terms of like, after the draft happened with the Rangers, they told me if I was fully committed to pro ball, they probably would have took me as in their, one of their first picks. Wow. So. Um, yeah, and that would have changed but everything, right? Because you ended up, you did. It would have changed everything. Yeah, looking back on it now, I, I don't honestly, I don't think I'd be where I'm at today if I didn't go to college. Even though my college career was not great, I learned a lot and just learned how to grow up and and, and learn how to to work essentially. Um, so then once I got into pro ball, um, I mean, I you could kind of weed out the people who took it serious and who didn't take it serious, and um, and it all kind of started for college. And you, can, for you know, me. I actually wanted to – I, I want just to, to follow up on that, Woody, because I always find interesting players – you got drafted in the fifth round by Texas coming mm-hmm. out of high school. You went to mm-hmm. Mississippi State, and then you went mm-hmm. in the 11th round of the Brewers. And I, I mm-hmm. always find interesting big leaguers who make it after that because – you know, that had to be a little disappointing, right? You go, you go to college thinking yeah. you're going to be a first-round pick. No, um, yeah. what, what did I you learn you, from that experience? I, um, so going to college, it was um, – my best year was my freshman year, and it went really well. I mean, I think I had like a, like a, like a two-something ERA. I mean, I probably threw around 40 innings, which is pretty good for a freshman. Um Ended up starting the championship game of the SEC championship, and we we beat Vanderbilt that year in 2012. And uh, so coming into my sophomore year, I was kind of taking the reins of the Friday night guy, Chris Stratton, who was with the with the Pirates, uh, was the Friday night guy, was the first rounder. Um, so it was kind of one of those things following in his footsteps type deal. And I just got hurt sophomore year, had surgery, um, just really couldn't get in the rhythm coming back my junior year, even though I was still a, I guess, a high prospect, and um, I just couldn't put it together. So for me, it was um, I knew I needed to get into pro ball at that point and just go pitch, and I think that's kind of where it all started for me. But yeah, I mean, I was getting calls in the third round, uh, potentially being taken fourth round, never happened. Um, and honestly, Milwaukee was never a team that had called my agent or anything didn't know no know anything from the brewers and only thing i knew about the brewers really was was ryan braun at the time you know so that was <laughs> um that was it and um after the second day ended on you and i was just kind of like well i come to the realization i was going back to to school for my senior year and all the teams as soon as the second day of the draft ended they started calling probably 10 or 15 teams and i told them at that, that at that time, that's when the draft changed. You could um, after the tenth, you could only get I think a hundred thousand, um, and it, before the team started going into the penalties or whatever it was. Um, so I told the teams, I said, "Hey, give me that, and I'm ready to go." So uh, within I, I, Milwaukee, I'm not sure what pick they had there on the third day in the eleventh round, but it was they called, and I had no idea, and 
Um, they said, we just took you. Um, and next thing you know, two days later, I'm headed on a plane, headed to Helena, Montana, starting this journey. And, and it's been crazy ever since. I'm speechless. I don't even know. What to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to pause and like let Tim ask yeah, something yeah. because I horribly <laughs> cut you off last time. But I, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to hear that because yeah. like, you know, that's you're an 18 year old, right? When, when you're drafted out of yeah. high school and then you go in, you're, you're a young man early in your career. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think some players could kind of get disappointed to the point where it, it hurts them. Oh, if I was, things don't go I'll tell you way. what I was, yeah. I mean, I wasn't full on crime, but I was at a point where I was. I mean, I, I, I might've sobbed a little bit. Like, I mean, I was, I was upset. Like, you know, yeah. I knew the potential I could be and I just didn't, I didn't pitch well. So, um, once I got that call and got the opportunity, I just, it was one of those where, um, I knew the things I needed to clean up and Rick, Rick Tomlin at the time was our pitching coordinator. And I came, came into Helena and he goes, look, he said, I know things didn't go the way you wanted to in college. And he said, but we're going to give you the opportunity to pitch every five days. And no matter if you go out and give up 10 runs or if you go put up zeros, he said, you're going to have the opportunity to do it every five days and kind of um, see what you can do. And I think that was the best thing I ever heard. And um, so that's kind of kind of what started it. And, um, yeah, started in Helena. And then, and I mean, just – terrible terrible facilities i mean it was i mean it was probably one of the worst <laughs> things that you know you just show up and you're like oh god this is what pro ball's like and yeah. not a lot of english going around so being a kid from mississippi i'm like i've never been around this you know i don't know what's going on and uh one of the other guys that was drafted with me um javier salas who who's from miami he was like a saving grace he could speak both so he was like that connection between the the language barrier there so um, I mean, it was just, it, it, but then I go back to some, some guys who were maybe first rounders or come from different parts of the country like that. Like they, they had the money and I guess it was a shock to them, but really for me, Tim, I mean, just being from such a small town, like I didn't come from a place that had red lights. So when I'm in this place, it just it wasn't a, a too big of a shock like eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich when i got to the field was not a big deal to me like i could do that yeah. um post game i could eat a ham sandwich like you know that's just the way i grew up so like none of that was like <laughs> that big of a shock but um so i didn't really know any difference in that sense i just knew um if i wanted to to go up a level i needed to perform well and that was it i just want to know you, you sign you get the money mm -hmm. what's the first thing that you bought with your <laughs> okay. It could be uh, a watch. It could be no. A, it was a it was a, a a fishing rod and reel. It was a loose <laughs> fishing rod and reel, oh, and I yeah. and I still got it. At, I mean, it's at my house. So, um, yeah, that was the first thing I bought. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Go the other ahead. day, Brandon was in at his locker, and there was a kind of a package at his at his locker. This long thing, and I thought it was like a pitching device, like something that you hold this long rod you hold up maybe for like shoulder exercises. And I went over. I thought, oh, this could be a good little story some new you know piece of workout equipment and he's like no it's a fishing no rod. it's a fishing rod and, and you <laughs> left a little note on it and said that's a nice little fishing rod maybe you can catch some fish with it so i thought that was more special than that, the actual fishing rod so i hung on have to that piece of paper you? no i have not um we've talked about it and um I, man he's willing to do like he's the best like you know i know who bob euchre was and i showed up and i'm like this dude has his own locker he comes in every day he says hello 
and he is just like his energy is out out the roof and a cool story about him I, like when i got hurt in 19 uh with the oblique and i'm here every day for you know two weeks rehabbing he was in here every day in the in the swimming you know in the in the aquatics part of our clubhouse he's swimming 30 45 minutes every day and i mean i'm not yep. sure how old he is what is he 88 somewhere in there 87 87 yeah. yeah and this was two i mean it was incredible so i'm like this is just the man he is and he was awesome we would talk every single day and uh so, but yeah he he does want to get out and and try to go fishing one day and but you know we're we're so busy and and i've got a little girl now so i you know it's hard to, to kind of get away but if i can go fishing with you i mean that's any any time spent with him is is like gold so i don't even know how to fish i would go fish with you just to just to hang out with <laughs> yeah. him <laughs> yeah oh just to hear him tell stories the, the the coolest thing is when we have the games on in the clubhouse we, we're listening to euchre and then you, you you get to the point where you stop really paying attention to the game and you're listening to the story he's telling and he's yeah. got so many stories man it's it's he's the best he really is i've been down there on the you know he comes down for batting practice yeah. every day and he does the council show he said he's been doing the shows all the way back i think he said dave bristol okay who's like the, the 1971 oh, manager. so he's been doing these manager shows and yeah. then he hangs out and watches you guys in bp yeah and talks to guys and he still asks questions about why do they do this why you know he's still so interested but there have been times where he's telling stories about like you know, being on hosting Saturday Night Live or yeah. something, being on the Carol Burnett show and hanging out with those guys. And like all of a sudden, the, the anthem singer is out there. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think there's supposed to be reporters in the dugout right now. I better get out yeah. of here before I get everything revoked. Yeah. But he just, he goes forever. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's the best. He's got a story for everything. And, and hearing him talk about catching back when he played as opposed to what it is now is like it's not even you know what i mean like you you never would have thought how catching is such an art now he was like we were catching it with two hands and my hands would get beat up and broken fingers and and now guys are catching it one-handed like that's crazy if people catch it one-handed you know so but he's great well that's because back in the day they had those catcher's mitts that only had a size in the web that was big enough for a baseball so you had like you to catch couldn't it. catch it. Yeah. You had to catch it perfect. That's why they yeah. used they all used two hands. Yeah, yeah. Woody, before we get too far removed from this, I want to ask you one more college question. Yeah. Because tell me if I have the story wrong, but Hunter Renfro lived in a house in Mississippi State, mm -hmm. Starkville, mm -hmm. and then he graduated yep. or was drafted, drafted, yeah. or however that went, and needed somebody to take his room, yeah. and he found a, what a sophomore. Yeah, that was me, and I moved right in, and the first thing, I remember it like yesterday, I, I get into the room, I, I hook up the direct TV, and the last thing that was on on the TV when oh I boy. turned it on was, <laughs> was the Disney Channel, so, and if people ask me, they're like, "Is how was Renfro in college? I said, you see the way he acts right now? He has not changed one bit, and it is like, that's the best thing to see is like, and I hope I've been like that, I hope I haven't changed much either but that's just the that's just the type of people we had at school it was just a bunch of country boys that could play baseball and we had fun and and he is still the exact same kid then as he is now as a 30 year old it's it's unbelievable let me ask you this uh, have you ever used the term stark vegas yeah i okay. yeah for just sure making sure yeah yeah 
Yeah, I mean it's it's when you walk into the clubhouse at at the new field. I mean that's the big thing. It's like welcome to Stark Vegas, and they've got all the yeah. you know uniforms and stuff and sitting. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay, to, man. Another question: Have you ever been to the Hunt Club? Is the Hunt Club still there in Stark? I've been I've been to the Hunt Club. Okay. Yes, I have. I think yeah. it's changed a little bit over the years, but uh, it was the Hunt Club, and then. Um, I can't remember the other one we always went to. We, you know, weren't Rick's. supposed to be at yeah. Rick's. That's exactly it. Yep, <laughs> Rick's. Yeah, that's it. So um, we probably bumped been, into each been other in there, there quite yeah. a few times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me ask you. Last college thing. Um, did you get a chance to meet Ron Polk in Starkville? Did he ever come by, or did you see him in the Cape Cod League? Oh, hold on. I, you kind of went out a little bit. I mi- oh, missed yeah. you there. Yeah. What was the question? So, Start have that you, question over, Tim, because then they can just cut that out. Yeah, yeah, cut that out. It's probably my my southern Wi-Fi. Uh, last college question. Uh, did you ever get to meet Ron Polk, either in Stark Vegas or in uh, the Cape Cod League? Yes, I did play in the Cape Cod League. Yes. Okay, does does he uh, does Ron Polk, does he uh, send you a, a typed letter every year? Oh, every year. Um, yes, yeah, so... First time I met um, Coach Polk was my freshman year. We're at Florida State playing in the regional, and UAB was in the regional. And, of course, growing up as a kid, I went to all the Mississippi State camps. And Ron Polk is just the legend of college baseball. And walk up to him, and we had some guys that were fifth-year seniors that had played for him, you know, that were still there. And they're talking to him, and I walk up, and I wanted to meet him and um, said hello. And he said, hey, Brandon. He said, how you doing, man? He said, uh he said, "Just he's like just a small kid from from Wheeler, Mississippi, and he starts saying all this stuff, and I'm like, he I've never even met you before, and <laughs> he's just going on and on, and he just and so the big thing with him is all of his former players and anybody he's been associated with, he still has a typewriter and he still he still writes them a you know a birthday note or whatever it is, and I get one every summer from him. Um, usually when he's in the Cape Cod League, he'll write me one and." Um, just tell him how he's doing and, you know, what's going on with him and he's paying attention and saying good luck and, and stuff like that. So Charlie Green, who is our field catching coordinator uh, over the minor leagues, Polk is his is his godfather, actually. I don't know if you knew that. but Oh, wow. That's a um, cool time. Yeah, so, um, no, he's great. And he's he's been in coaching for over 50 years now. I think a couple of years ago was his 50th year in college baseball and – um, I don't think he's ever been married, and he's just been—he's been a legend of the game. But yeah, he actually came and spoke at a first pitch banquet at my high school at Wheeler. Um, this all, you know, spring training got pushed back, so I was able to to go to it. And he's been doing this same scripted, you know, speech speech for years. <laughs> it's the same exact one, but he still carries his notes and he's still studying before he goes up there. And I'm like, oh my! I was like, he's done this over and over. <laughs> and then I was the butt of every joke in the whole thing. And, you know, it, those kids thought it was cool. But, no, he's <laughs> he still does it. So, when he's – before during the fall, he takes – I mean, there's a calendar probably in January, you know, probably 28, 29 days. I don't know how many days are in January. I, I maybe <laughs> 31. 31, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, 29 of them. He's on the road going to, to local high schools, uh, you know, around the area and, and doing their first pitch banquets, like, every night. And he doesn't take a dime – from the school, whatever is taken up at the gate, he gives it back to the school and to the baseball program. But um, the only thing he he does is he sells his 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 playbook or his coach's book, 
and that's it. Yeah. So he's great, man. Ron Polk. Woody, Magic. I want to flash way forward just so we get a little brewer, you know, okay. a little bit about your brewer's tenure. Yeah. One of the things I always find interesting is that when you think about like kind of the really good players in franchise history, they sometimes come in pairs or you think of players in pairs, Molitor and Yao, mm-hmm. maybe a little Gallardo and Grinky mm-hmm. from 11, uh, definitely Fielder Braun, definitely you and Burns. Yeah. I mean, when people look back on this era of Brewers baseball, they're going to think of you mm-hmm. too. And those pair, they're so, those guys are so different. Yeah. Like people know Molitor and Yao, like so different personality yeah. wise, style, everything. Are you and Burns? Do you think of you and Burns? I, I kind of think of you and Burns as like that too. It's kind of different. I don't know how to describe it, but do you think of you guys as sort of like opposites attract? We're very, we're very, very, and similar in the way we go about our business. Um, and I think Corbin's probably a little bit more quiet, quieter than I am. Um, I would say um, that's probably one of the. Corbin may keep to himself a little bit more um, than I do, but in terms of similarities, in terms of the way at the baseball field, the way we try to go about our business, the way we try to work hard, the way we try to study and and get ready for a start and just try to lead by example, we're very, very much the same or, or very similar. So um, I think, you know, we, me, Corbin, Freddie, you look at Josh, um, Hader, you look at, I'm trying to think of another Devin, uh, just just some guys. I guess we're all kind of there in the same um, age group. We've we've kind of all came up together and and pitched at these levels together, and and we've won together. And um, I think that's what makes it so cool. Now is um, it's so hard. You know, I I don't know. Looking back, it's 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 tough for teams to develop that many guys and have them contribute at the big league level and and win. And um, I think once we've shown that we can, you know, pitch at this level and and do it consistently, then it's just we all feed off each other and we learn from each other. And um, you go back to last year, like it was so. Looking back on it now, it was so cool. In the moment, you're just you're when one guy does well, the next guy tries to outdo him. And it's not a it's not a arrogance thing. It's just we're pushing each other and it was so fun and to look up at the end of the year and if Freddie and if Freddie wasn't got hurt I mean no telling what would have happened we could have potentially had three guys in the top five of Cy Young you don't I mean that's unheard of so um I think the same goes for this year it just um I feel like we we we, we kind of try to drive the bus we're we're more of a quiet leaders and um but it's it's cool looking back on you know we at, it's cool to be mentioned with those names, you know. If people think about this era, they think of us, and and you got to, of course, think of of Yelly too. But uh, winning MVP, and but it it's cool. It just it's so hard to make the playoffs, and we've done it four years in a row, and we want to keep doing it, and we try to savor. I I don't want to get through my career and look back and not try to give it my all and see how many playoffs we can we can go to. And I'm telling you, we can. We can do exactly what the Braves did last year. I mean, you look at them. They they weren't that great offensively, and then they got put some pieces together, and then they just got hot. That could have been us. You never know. So I feel like we're, we're waiting to get over that hump, and hopefully this year's the, the year. Woody, do you keep a book like Burns does? Will Salmon of The Athletic did that great piece about Burns and his, his, his notebook. Yeah, so 
I do have a notebook. I keep most of my stuff on my iPad. So okay. instead of my personal, I do have my little personal notebook, but I keep most of my notes on my iPad. So very, very similar. But it's just, it's just thoughts. Like if something it, it, from throwing program, from bullpens, from little cues, every little thing, write this stuff down or if something pops up, like I can take something from my outing, you know, this past yesterday and take that and and consistently start using it it's just reminders and um i I think he does a lot of his his scouting stuff like i do on my ipad and uh just keep the notes on there and stuff like that but i think more more of that's just a reminder the routine the uh the process of coming into a day when when you're pitching and kind of what that looks like so yeah i mean it's it, there, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people don't see. They just see us go out and pitch on TV and and think it's you know it's the coolest thing, and which it is. We have the best job in the world, and I think that's the perspective we got to keep looking at. It is we get to play a, a kid's game for a living, even though it is our job. And there's you know different factors and stress uh, that comes with it. At the end of the day, we get to do. Uh, play a kid's game for a job and i think if we you know keep that perspective that's that's the the cool part about it and it, going back and pitching last night it just i'm thinking to myself when these kids are, are chanting my name when i'm out there warming up like i'm i'm like man you know what this is cool like these people came out to the game when they heard i was pitching and it was sold out and it was really cool. And I'm going, I've never given kids high fives before the game. Like that just, like when I'm going out to pitch, it's my, my job is to go get people out. And I'm pretty, you know, trying to be focused. And it was a little bit out of my comfort zone to go over there and give these kids high fives along the fence. And I think that was a good thing. And I, I look back on it last night. I'm like, you know what? That was a cool experience. I, I probably made some kids' day. And yeah. Um, and doing, you know, the other thing that threw me off a little bit, we did the anthem like three minutes before the game. And I'm, they're like, you know, you run out to your position and you do the anthem. I haven't done that since high school. So, okay, I'm running out there. And mind you, I'm in a pair of cream pants or home pants and a white jersey. So yeah, I had, yeah, we saw that. I yeah. had two different. Woody, we should say you're talking about your rehab. Yeah, assignment sorry, my rehab assignment last night. I, I, I think everyone understands, but I'm just throwing that in there. Okay, just okay. all right. So that that that's when it was from last night, and I mean it's only an hour and a half from here, and the brew is it's crazy. You go out there, and I'm sitting the kid, the two kids run up uh, that are with me during the anthem, and they they kind of looking at me, and I said, "Hey guys, how are y'all?" And I said, "What's your name?" And they told me their names, and I said, "I'm Brandon." And they're like, "Uh." Yeah, we know, you know, like that right there. <laughs> and I, they had a minor league ball that was out on the mound, so I picked it up, and one kid had a ball and the other one didn't. And I said, hey, would I said, take this ball back with you. And he's like, you know, just his face lit up. And I and I think I saw a picture of where I was looking down smiling at the kid, and he just – I think it yeah. was during that, and he just couldn't believe, like, his eyes were so big, you know. So it, that I say all that just to say that, you know, it's – these kids look up to us more than we realize, and and I think we don't realize it as much. And and around the community of how just you know influential that we can be, and I think that was a a cool thing to to go back and do last night. One of my all time favorite Brewers memories is Ben Sheets one year on Little League night. They did a <laughs> parade around the field of Little Leaguers, and I'm talking six thousand Little oh, Leaguers, whatever year this was. And Ben Sheets stood there on the rail at, you know, six o'clock for a seven o'clock game and high fived yeah. every single one of those yeah. kids. Yeah. With his left hand. It was very smart. Very he smart. He probably gave his left shoulder a, a workout. That's right. Thing. That's right. No, it's I mean, 
you just kind of lose perspective a little bit and you know going out last night and doing that and going through the whole stretch and seeing people uh, never been to Wisconsin but their bullpen they have the where the the fans can can stand right above the bullpen and um you know the, the catchers down there and I'm kind of telling him how I want him to set up and it was just by chance I mean I said sit up here and I threw the ball to my spot and then you just hear him go oh like whoa that's that's cool and I'm like man you know what they they don't get to see this all the time and here I am with these cream pants and white jersey and looking like an idiot and I'm hitting my spot and they think it's the coolest thing ever you want to explain that the pants yeah so I got to the field they didn't have my size in the pants the pants were way too big that they gave me or they were painted on tight and Joe Aralt, who's the manager was my first manager in pro ball when I got in in 2015 or my first full season, and I said, Joe, look, I can't wear these pants. I say, you mind if I wear my cream pants? And he goes, he goes, man, heck no. So then on top of that, the jersey was like huge. Like this thing was falling off of me, and I'm a big dude. So <laughs> I was like, Joe, I can't wear this jersey either. So they had to scramble, and the clubby there was freaking out. You know, he's doing, he's doing a great job. He's taking care of all of us, and – Joe's like, get this man a jersey. And I actually took off, I think it was uh, Frelick's jersey um, with with when he was with the, the Timber Rattlers. And they just, he just took his name off the back. So I'm wearing number 11. I go out to the bullpen and somebody's like, come on, Rowdy. Like, you know, like, here we go. Let's go, Rowdy. <laughs> and of course, I look up and laugh at him and he thought it was a funny joke. But uh, so I was no named out there. Um, no name number. No 11. name number yeah. eleven. Just out there, just trying to do my best and 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 get back. So it was it was fun. What an adventure! You know, I, I know we're strapped for time. I just want a quick thirty seconds on your time in Colorado Springs. I want you just to say the craziness of that atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've got a baseball. video. Like you know, one of my favorite moments was. You know, you used to do the videos, and I think if it wasn't for you keeping like Triple is a different, different, different uh, type of minor league baseball. You got guys who've been in the big leagues up and down. There might be a little, sure. it's a little animosity down there. But when you were doing all that, I'm like, oh my gosh, if he can do this and still have fun, I'm like, why can't I have fun? You know, and it just taught all the younger guys who had just gotten to Triple A for the first time. I'm like, why is everybody so mad? Everybody's so mad. I'm not on the roster. I'm trying to get, you know, and they're making way more money than me. And um, and it was just – and I remember that day I was in the steps, you know, when you come into the parking lot and you go down the steps and you got the clubhouse right there. And yeah. you're filming one of the videos and you got that fox, the the uh, the mascot's oh, yeah, the, the helmet mascot on, head. and you yeah. pop out, and I'm filming this thing for you, and I was dying. And I still have that video. So um, I would say that that's what I remember most about my time there is just – I, honestly it was it was fun we had a lot of fun like yeah i mean we have people living in the clubhouse i mean you just don't <laughs> see that much and you got guys who've been in the big league like they're grinding up you know living so it was cool man we had a we had a good good group and looking back on it now it, the, it's stunk to pitch in like yeah i mean granted I, it is what it is but um we made it fun and with everything that went on on that baseball field with the snakes we had you remember i was pitching yeah and we had a delay because there was two snakes out on the field fighting yeah yeah so i mean it was just you had everything in <laughs> snake delay, a snake delay never yeah, yeah i was brett out phillips, there pitching yeah brett phillips was in left field he was trying to get 
somebody, Nestor, maybe to stop, like call time. And the umpire's like, shut up, Phillips, you know, like, yeah. let's play baseball. And he's like, there's snakes out here. They're fighting. <laughs> That was crazy. Oh and they were left field. I've never heard and I'm that. pitching, oh, yeah. and I'd just given up a hit where in Colorado Springs, the ball doesn't move. So, like, if a left-handed hitter hits a ball down the left field line, usually it slices. Well, there it don't slice. And yeah. they're getting hits, and I'm I'm mad. And next thing I know, I look up, and there's two snakes just, like, just going after it. And they're getting them. The grounds crew comes running out, and they're putting them in the bucket. And, yeah, Colorado Springs, man. And some interesting people around there, too. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I think this is all fodder for the next time, Woody, because please come do this again. Yes. You're, you're the greatest. Uh, uh, we appreciate I'll do it, it so much. I got awesome. some. Listen, I got all kinds of stories. I, I didn't know I had that, this many stories, but you, you just keep, I mean, bringing up stuff. I can go on for days. But you got to go. Uh, you we'll, got we'll, to eat. I got to go right? build some bikes. So go build yeah. some bikes, man. Yeah. Go build some bikes, man. And we hope to see you back in a Brewers uniform really soon. Yep. Thanks, Me too. Woody. Can't wait. Now, we tried really hard to get Woodruff for like another hour. But unfortunately he had to go like do some charity event and be like the nice guy he is and build bikes for kids. He had to go build some bikes. And Ezra said, no, you can absolutely not talk to him for an hour. Like no one else will come back on the show. So we had to let him go, but some great stuff, especially I didn't know how much he shared in common with you, Tim. Yeah. We we're both Mississippi guys and I know a lot of the same people and, I don't know. I, I think what you get from Woodruff is just a very transparent person. And to me, it's inspiring. You can come from any corner of anywhere and be a major league baseball player, right? Like that's kind of a lot of times you say, well, I, I got to go to the best, whatever it is, uh, training facility or something like that. It's like, no, if you're a good player and you practice and you play, you have a chance. And I love Brandon Woodruff, man. He's just uh, just a, a bubble of joy and I, when he's on the mound, he's a bulldog, not only at Mississippi State, but also when he's on the mound for the Brewers. So I don't know. I love that guy. That was a very good line, Tim. Actually, fun story to talk about how Woodruff is a good guy. Earlier in the season, I was wearing these dress shoes down to the wire before I went out and got new ones. Like Mostly it was laziness to go to Kohl's. It wasn't anything like a good reason why I was wearing them down to the wire. Sure. And they blew out while like, the sole came off the shoe. And I showed Woodruff. He's like, you want me to go get you a pair? I have a bunch of shoes. You're 12. I'm a 12 and a half. We're not that far off. And he was like sprinting to his locker. I'm like, please, Brandon, do not get me shoes. <laughs> like wow. the dude just like did he get wants you shoes? to help out. Yeah. Did you No, get the- I, I wouldn't let him. I thought it was going to be real. Oh. I would have felt like I had to wear those shoes every day to like show my appreciation to him. I would. I'd be like, hey, <laughs> just sign the side of them and I'll wear them. <laughs> Gio Gonzalez used to be the shoe guy. Gio would get all this stuff from Nike. Like he, he got shoes pretty much every day. Famously, he's the one who got Euchre, the Air Euchres, uh, which became a big thing. Um, so Gio would have been maybe Woodruff is like taking the torch from Gio Gonzalez on the pitching staff as the shoe deliverer. Well, he's I believe the Reebok man. So okay, so slightly different, but uh, you know he's a dad. I'm a dad. I think the Reebok fits a little bit better. Would have taking those through mowing the lawn a couple of times. They aren't new balances, but you know, did you see who those- was it? Was it, it wasn't, was it Steve Ciszek who got the new balance dad shoes made into spikes for father's day? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a story. Colton was trying to do that <laughs> for, he had a, I'm pretty sure that it was Steve Ciszek who famous. He's didn't he give up the Lorenzo Kane hit in game 163? I'm, I'm doing a lot of didn't he's, which I'm probably wrong about. So please no one fact check me, but, I do think it was Steve Ciszek who got the new, the, the, the dad, you know, the white 
with the big N on the side. Yeah. He got spikes yeah. put on the bottom and he wore those on Father's Day this year. Legitimately. Well, Colton incredible. was injured for Father's Day, right? Good. But yeah. he wanted to do that too. He's been walking around in what he calls, he has the Nike version, so he doesn't have the classic N on the side, but he's been calling them Air Dads. I told him <laughs> if he gets the spikes on them, he needs to get Velcro instead of laces. That would be so, cool. But you can get anything yeah. made into a spike. Remember, uh, somebody had uh, cowboy boots made into spikes. Really? Yeah. Is that is that a MLB approved for game use? Uh, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I don't know why, though. They totally should. Um, I forgot. It was an outfielder. Um, 2015 or 16. Yeah. And based on what I've seen this weekend, you can get almost any shoe made, period. Whether it's solid gold and lights up or, you know, it's just basic all white. That was pretty cool. I didn't see Quentin Barry uh, and have a chance to ask him the origin <laughs> of those. Was that just an Amazon? Uh, he got the bell. He, he's the, the purchaser of the Brewer's Bell, which just was an Amazon buy. So maybe those gold shoes, I don't know. Maybe that was another Amazon find while he was searching for the bell. Anyway, the ADHD is high today, so <laughs> prepare for this because we got more of it coming up. We're going to talk about the Brewers' homestand, some of the injury issues they're dealing with, some key players return, so the team's getting healthier. We'll talk about what that means and more. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. During the break, which for you was 30 seconds, but because we talk a lot and we're social guys who never stop chatting for us, it was like 12 minutes. But <laughs> Tim, I think we put to bed who had the cowboy boots, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think, 2017. I think it was Michael Reed, outfielder. Mm. Michael Reed, big country, big country guy. Drove a big truck. What's up, guys? Big truck. Yeah. They, uh, I think Scooter Jeanette got boots and made them into spikes. For spring training, fact check me because I'm not sure. <laughs> well, we have a we're we're keeping the fact checkers very busy today. I like it. Yeah, well, you know, we're just trying to keep those ats high, get engagement on our posts. <laughs> That's, this is how you do it. You do it by being wrong. You know what? That's we need the to, most important. We need to start telling people to leave reviews and like stars and stuff like that. I feel like we've gone dormant oh, yeah. a little bit. We need people to write in. And tell us some really good things and the stuff that they want to say that's bad. Just don't bring it up at all. <laughs> how do we how do we pull that off? <laughs> if it's five stars, leave the review on yeah. Apple, on Spotify. If it's less than five stars, write us an email to just pick an email. We don't actually have one. Just find an email that exists and, and put it into the ether. Well, it'll get to us. T-R-A-S-H at Gmail. Yes. All right. But more importantly than not as importantly as us getting a five star review, but more importantly, the cowboy boots being turned into spikes. The Brewers have a four and three homestand. They end up leaving a game up on the St. Louis Cardinals after a very tough series because they seem to be playing as exact equals, which means this season's going to be a lot of fun. 
Adam, what are your biggest takeaways from the homestand against the Cards and Blue Jays? Well, I already said Corbin Burns. I, I thought just him stepping up and pitching the way that they have come to expect over the last year and a half at a time when they're so thin in the rotation and in kind of have these moving parts where guys are coming back, but they've got Chichi Gonzalez making a couple spot starts. And um, I just thought it was incredibly important to get that stability. And, you know, the fans always think about one day at a time and how today is the most important day. And I get that you spend a lot of money to come to a game and you dedicate a whole day. That's the most important game of the year for you. For Craig Council, he's always kind of thinking about the next day. And when Corbin Burns goes out and pitches into the eighth inning, first Brewers, starter to get into the eighth this season, that is such a big deal for what comes next. And, um, you know, Sunday was with, with, uh, Chi Chi, they knew it was going to be a shorter start and they had every arm basically available in part because Corbin Burns had pitched so well. So that was a big deal for me. And, and then look, obviously the offense to put up a bunch of runs and have it as one of you said, be not just rowdies, two homers, but up and down the lineup scoring lots of different ways the offense is uh, the weak spot of this team. It just is. And uh, a day like that should instill some confidence. Yeah, Tim, when you're watching that game, what what do you see that really sparks in your mind? Like as we watch the Brewers get back on track, for lack of a better word, after that little slump to start the month, what are you seeing that gets you excited from that series? Well, I think the first thing that stands out is through 75 games, they have the exact same record as they did last year through the first 75 games. It's 42 and 33. So that right there is a good sign, despite that they didn't play their best ball for about two weeks. And you're starting to see the the offense come up. I was trying to do the math while Adam was talking. I was listening to you, but I was trying to do the math on how many runs they scored uh, in the entire seven-game homestand, and I don't know what it was. It was over 30-something, so... <laughs> but they're Not having a lot fact of check. Here yeah, we go. Let's go I'm just saying the walks have been up. They're spiking. And we talked to Connor Dawson on the last, was it the last episode? I think it was the yeah. last episode. Uh, talked to him about the correlation between walks and extra base hits. And we're seeing that come to fruition here because that's what the Brewers have been doing. It's home runs and doubles and walks. And that right there is a dangerous combination. I think they put it all together in this homestand. And um, I don't know, it, they were seven and three in their last 10. So I, I think right now, the, the Brewers are back on track in every possible way. 33 runs, by the way. Ooh. Also, I did note since Tuesday, it seems like the offense has been performing at a pretty good mark. Is it because we talked to Connor Dawson? Can we take responsibility <laughs> for that? No. Well, we have no bearing. Uh, let's. Can we make, we have no bearing on what happens on the field by what we talk about. And I'd like to just get that on the record for the next time. There's a no hit bid that goes into like the sixth or seventh inning talking about it up in the press box or on social media. Now that's, that's really interesting, Adam, that you say that because I think if we go back to episode two or three, your stat of the week seems to be very interesting to <laughs> about no, no transactions. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, um, that, Nah, I, that's a fair point. Well, in, in good news, you're not as on the hook <laughs> as you would be for that because a lot of the players who ended up going on the IL are coming back. You know, uh, Colton Wong and Brandon Woodruff should be back this week. We know Woodruff's going to be back tomorrow. This weekend, Mike Brasso, uh, John Del Gustave, Trevor Gott, they're all back. Does it feel like the Brewers are finally getting back to a little normalcy, Adam? Yeah, although losing Hunter Renfro was a big deal, uh, you know, Brewers versus lefties is a is again another one of their their weaknesses, and he's a big he's the he's 
one of the guys, probably the most productive hitter they have against lefties in terms of doing damage. So that's a, a big loss. And I don't know, after talking to him, it sounds like he might be down a while. I, we'll, we'll see. He's early on his injury, but that, that calf was lingering and they got an MRI and he thinks the calf is more serious than the hamstring that kept him out two weeks um, in late May, early June. So we'll have to see how long they're without him. And, you know, obviously Lorenzo Cain, no longer part of the team that it means more outfield time for Andrew McCutcheon and, and other guys. And it just limits some of the options. So I'm a little discouraged by Renfro going down in terms of what it means for the offense, but getting those other guys back is big. Woodruff is clearly, I think the most important one. Um, but I also don't underestimate getting back Gott and Gustavi because God especially was pitching in pretty big spots as kind of the, you know, Brad Boxberger, the next guy after Boxberger on the depth chart as you start from Hader at the top. And he was pitching some really important innings. So I think getting him back in particular was a kind of sneaky big move uh, that happened in the last couple of days as well. Um, I think getting, I think getting, you know, anytime you have a guy that comes back healthy, they're always hungry, right? So just talking to Woodruff and just being, you know, hearing a guy going, I'm ready. I want to be out there. I understand that as a player, when you don't get to be out there for a little while and then you get out there, it's just, it's like opening day for you. So a hungry Woodruff going out there on the mound is dangerous, right? For hitters, because he he is just going to be in attack mode and he's not got anything in his head other than I'm going to just go out there and do the best I can and have fun with it. I saw that with Brasso when he came back, goes up there, hits a home run, ends up being like the, the game winning home run, even though it was in the third inning, but that was the difference maker in that game. They won 5-4. And I will say this, uh, uh, with Wong coming back, um, a healthy Wong is going to be a healthy Urias. I think that right there is it's going to give it's going to give a chance for Urias to get more days off because I think when he plays right now when he's been playing too much, you can tell, I think. I think you can tell when his production goes down. So with him getting a few more days off is going to help his production. So all the way around, I mean, I, I think this is going to be a great thing for the Brewers going forward. The one thing I loved about our Woodruff conversation too was the stuff he talked about being kind of energized by that day fans. up in Appleton. Yeah, yeah. The fans, like, you know how we rolled up and there were fans waiting outside the ballpark and uh, you know, not to be like too schmaltzy or whatever, but that was really cool. Like that, that was standing on the mount talking about looking down at the kid and, during the anthem and introducing himself. And I don't know, I, I thought that was like a really neat thing um, that was part of our conversation. So I think you're going to see an energized Brandon Woodruff. Now, can he like keep the blood flowing to his finger? <laughs> That's going to be really interesting with that, that weird Raynaud syndrome, which he talked about maybe having to manage as he goes along a little inside clubhouse thing. I, we were asking about the finger and we decided that he was missing many opportunities to tell reporters which finger was was impacted. So we, the, over this homestand, he kept showing us over and over which finger was was the most problematic every time he passed the reporter. So we were pinky? having... Was it the pinky It was not finger? the pinky. It wasn't the index <laughs> finger. It wasn't the thumb and it wasn't the ring finger. Oh, well, what... So oh, I'm trying to figure out which um, finger that leads. Yeah, he was he was really enjoying his opportunity to, to tell us. <laughs> I'm looking at my own hand. <laughs> I, I was told there would be no oh, anatomical I told, math. Ooh. I told him never miss an opportunity to, to make that gesture at a reporter. And he, he uh, anyway, before Adam wanted to talk how proud he was to get flipped off by a big league picture. <laughs> 
Probably the first time. I wanted to discuss, I think, a very good little bit of information Tim had where uh, when we look at Weicho, I think that's great analysis that when he plays like a long stretch, you can tell he's getting, especially for a guy who, you know, came in late, didn't have a full spring training, you know, had to deal with an injury. It's funny how much like that when he finally got that day off, he he was str- obviously struggling at the plate. Then he gets that day off and he comes back and he starts having like good Luis Urias at bats again immediately. So it, it's I think that's an interesting analysis, Tim, where you're looking at a guy who like you can so directly see the immediate impact rest has been given or like helps him with. Yeah, there's a definite correlation there. Um, some guys aren't like that. Some guys need to be in the lineup and that makes them better all the time. But Urias, you can just tell that he was trying to just get through it because they were shorthanded there for a while. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I always see the correlation of the guys. Okay, well, what's this going to mean? This means he probably could be playing mainly third base when he's out there. And when you're bouncing back and forth between different positions every single day, it's, it's, it kind of weighs on you a little bit. And it, I think it, I think it carried over to the plate. So yeah, I don't know. I'm glad I had a good analysis for once. <laughs> yeah, for once. I mean, we've been waiting. I know. Like we get ragged every day. They're this like, "What is this guy 14? talking about? Yeah. Are you sure he played baseball?" <laughs> isn't Yelich like that too? Isn't Yelich another guy for you? You that you know he when he gets a day, he comes back and he seems to me like he's really good. I don't know if I've noticed that as much because I think the DH has really helped him. With Maybe that. they've given yeah. him regular time at the DH this year. Yeah, he's been in there a lot. So I, I think that that's made it a little less notable than it otherwise is. Otherwise is, but you're right. He is a guy who definitely needs rest. Um, the one thing I want to go back to Weicho on too is, you know, last year they had to go get Willie Adamas because he could not make a throw from shortstop for a period there. But his defense across the board was great. This while he covered for Willie when he covered for Colton. He really had a great defensive stretch there where he was not at all a problem for like, I mean, not that an air didn't happen, but the most airs in baseball happen when you're playing shortstop. So I, I think it, like that's kudos to him for how much he's worked to improve on his defensive capabilities and how solid he looked there. And I think the key, the key phrase, just to follow up for five seconds, yeah. the key phrase there is covered. He expected to come back and be, you know, all right, I'm back at third base or whatever. And it's like, no, we need you to cover for Adamas. And then Wong goes down. Hey, we need you to cover for Wong. And so, like, he's just been covering other positions rather than being solidified at that third base position. So I I, I think that kind of can affect a player sometimes when it's like, okay, well, I'm just trying to get back over to third. So, but he's been doing a great job. I think you're right. He's been covering. Was it? Was it in the Cardinals? Which series was it in? Where he, he's made a couple of really nice snap tags. I love the mm-hmm. snap tag on a stolen base. Mm-hmm. Um, and Willie Adamas is good at that. Javi Baez is the guy that stands out to me. Is like incredible sure. at that, that quick tag. And Weicho yeah. did it a couple of times. I think it's uh, maybe a little Adamas rubbing off on him in that. Yeah, he had that amazing one in the ninth against the Cardinals, right? Yeah, yep. Uh, that, that really, uh, not that I think, I don't think anyone was too worried because the turns out the guy on the mound is pretty good at dealing with all ninth inning situations, <laughs> but it definitely helped. Now, this week, we're getting one of our first two series against the Rays. As Brewer fans, we don't really get to see the AL East too much, although that'll change in the future. 
Adam, what are you looking forward to the most when we're looking at like this rare matchup with a team we almost never get to see? Yeah, I was surprised. I looked this up for the uh, Brewers Beat newsletter. Please subscribe. This is only the Brewers' fourth visit there, which shocked me. 05 was the first when Prince Fielder made his debut. And I remember uh, Tomo Oka throwing a complete game in like two hours and six minutes. And I was excited to get out and get to the beach. And uh, my car had been broken into. And oh. the ignition was laying on the floor of the car. So I, I was at the um, St. Pete you know, police headquarters until four o'clock in the morning waiting for a new rental car. That was a good memory of uh, Tampa, but or of St. Pete. <laughs> so yeah, it's a rare visit. What am I looking forward to most? I mean, isn't it? Isn't the obvious answer Brett Phillips? Isn't that always the answer when you talk about the Rays? Yeah, a little Brett Phillips. Yeah, and I feel like that's Tim. Is that also true for you? Because you have a, a somewhat of a connection with the greatest laugh in baseball. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, we were teammates for I don't know parts of three or four years, and. We still get together and shoot videos of us telling each other your mama jokes on Mother's Day. That's always fun. <laughs> Those are some pretty good ones out there. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of want to see him and G-Man Choi. We were all teammates. Uh, in. I'm actually not going on the trip, but I, I want to see those guys when they're with their, their former teammates, Corbin Burns and all these guys. I got a video of us doing Baby Shark. And uh, remember that song? Uh, oh, God, I do. Nobody sing it. <laughs> yeah, um, thanks. thanks. Anyway, G-Man... We're in Colorado or in uh, Oklahoma City, and he jumps up on this table, and because we're all dancing to the song in the clubhouse, there's 30 dudes, you know, running around doing stuff, and he breaks the table. G-Man falls through the table, <laughs> and like rolls into Corbin Burns, and he's like checking to see if he's okay. <laughs> anyway, everybody was okay. The table was not. I had to pay for it. So anyway, those are the kind of stories that I want. I, I want to hear about you know, from the guys after they visit with former teammates. It's always a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, those are the very easy ones because it's great to see old faces. I know the Brewer fans miss Brett Phillips. As a social media manager, I miss Brett Phillips because (laughs) he is a content machine. G-Man Choi actually has that too. So, you know, the Rays are very lucky in that they are able to have some of the best personalities in baseball sitting on their uh, offensive lineup. Well, they have they have fun. They're two similar teams here, the Brewers and the Rays. Where but what I'm buying time for oh, yeah. is I want to make sure Wander Franco's healthy before I say Wander Franco. Yeah, he's just back. Yeah, he just came back. So my big return is, or my big thing I want to see is Wander Franco. Yeah. The former number one prospect in baseball. He had such a good season last year. As a prospect nerd, I want to see the great prospect. The guy who kind of forced, or not forced, but gave Tampa Bay the flexibility to make a trade and bring the best thing to the Brewers offense to the Brewers offense. So, you know, it's a, but yeah, he's an exciting guy, uh, and like I said, as a prospect nerd, someone I'm really excited to see. Should we the, the other part of that trade, the two pitchers? Unfortunately, we won't see. Oh yeah, there's there's a couple pitchers talking about old teammates. JP, JP Fire Eyes and yeah. Wisconsin's own. Sadly, the, the, out. Sadly, uh, shoulder impingement. Uh, Tim has some recommendations that he's going to pass along for weightlifting for him that yeah. he shared before. The- yeah, I'm the epitome <laughs> of what weightlifting looks like. Yeah, <laughs> I can give advice and, about weightlifting. Come on. And Drew Rasmussen is 
the other one hamstring injury. Uh, so I'm sure they'll be around, but unless they're in the rehab appearances, I do not believe they are. But, uh, you know, so they'll be able to connect with their old friends. But unfortunately, uh, the two people who helped get Willie Adamas to the Brewers won't be there. So, but, you know, I think the other side of it is as excited we are, see, we are to see old friends connect from the Brewers Willie has a bunch of friends. Mike Brasso has a bunch of friends on that roster that they can go connect with now. So it's going to be like a fun little reunion for everyone across the board. Now we need to take another break, but when we return, we have stat of the week. And we're going to talk about Devin Williams' absolute dominance as of late. So stay tuned. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. I know you waited patiently because we're coming up with the jingle still. Tim and I were trying to work on it during break. We we haven't come anything. We're ready to break out to the public yet. But eventually we'll have a jingle. We're at our rapid round. And we're starting off with the moment you've all been waiting for. Tim, give us your stat of the week. Stat of the week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess I should have written one down. Oh, boy. Okay. So this is my great. This is good. I'm going to bring Adam in on this. Oh. Since your tweet, June 5th, and I texted you this, mm-hmm. Adam McAlvey tweets out, Yelich is O for June. <laughs> it's true. So since that O for June tweet, Christian Yelich, yeah, Christian Yelich has had 76 at-bats, 15 runs, 24 hits, 6 RBIs, 11 walks, 4 stolen bases. He's batting 316. He's had 7 multi-hit games. And his on-base percentage is 402. He was inspired. Yeah, just the last seven games, he's batting 320, and his on-base percentage is 469, which is would be the highest in baseball. So now I have a question for you, Tim. As a formal go for it. Former baseball player, I think you can give me this analysis. Is that good? That's pretty good. All those numbers yeah. you can, you know, look at them and and whatever. The biggest one is like you're waiting on, okay, where are the home runs? He's only had a couple of home runs. It's like, okay, well, where's all the RBIs? But he's batting the leadoff spot. What do you want from a leadoff guy getting on base? That's why he scored 15 times. Um, I, I think a lot of times that gets overlooked, but we talked about, is this going to be a thing that lasts? You know, is he going to be the leadoff guy when Wong comes back? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you have to leave him there. I think it's gone from gimmicky to solidified. I think he's one of the best leadoff hitters in baseball right now. So, I mean, rather you have him hitting a whole bunch of home runs, batting third, sure. But uh, he's super valuable right now, and he's having success at the leadoff spot. Now, you talk about the leadoff spot not having a chance to drive in RBI. And I think that means that you have not talked enough to Ned Yost, who always talked about how you really, from the leadoff spot, only have one leadoff appearance Hmm. on a regular basis. He gets a couple leadoffs a game, though. I, I take notes in the game I'm supposed to. (laughs) <laughs> and I always write down who leads off the innings, and he usually gets a couple per game. I just wanted to give Adam a flashback to his days of asking questions about Ricky Weeks in the leadoff position in Ned Yost. Yes, Ned. So. Anybody who knows anything about baseball, that was Ned's best lead. Anyone who knows anything about baseball, 
That's when you knew you were in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it was about to get a little testy. <laughs> One time he got mad and called me Andrew. Well, Andrew, what's your stat of the week? <laughs> okay, my stat of the week, and I am going to bring Brad Ford into mine because mine is 560, oh. which is how many miles the Brown family of Ontario, Canada drove to see Rowdy Telez play a baseball game on Sunday, Xander Brown's fifth birthday. And oh, wow. um, all this little guy wanted since Rowdy got traded from the Jays to the Brewers was to meet Rowdy Telez. He was his favorite player, and he was really bummed out that Rowdy was no longer a Jay. So dad wrote a, a direct message or tweeted at the Brewers. And Brad, who gets credit for this, you or someone on your team? So now... I, I messaged with him, but all the hard work was done by uh, Sydney Gilly, yep. our social media specialist. She did all the like we we were able to get the young man in Jersey and then she did the delivery to Rowdy to get it designed. But then who deserves the credit afterwards is Rowdy because Rowdy yes. wanted to meet him. Yeah. So Rowdy goes out, meets the kid, blows his mind. The kid was on cloud nine and then Rowdy hits two home runs. It's like straight out of a movie. So Brad and I went out and we got to meet the young man during the game yesterday. We got to watch him watch one of Rowdy's at well played appearances. He walked as part of that late rally. They had to really put the game away. And it was just, it was super cool. And then I talked to Rowdy and, you know, he talks about just wanting to do the do right by these kids because in 20 years, this kid could be a big leaguer himself. So it was, it was awesome. And Rowdy was of course, humble and self-effacing and all that too. Yeah, it was a, a really fun moment. And I think one of my favorite parts of that was that, uh, you know, we walk with Rowdy out there because we just want to see what, how the family reacts. You know, we put in some hard work, so we want to kind of ride off Rowdy's coattails. And I, I just want to see how they react you know, immediately, immediately. Mom and dad start crying. Yeah. Just and that that's to know that the parents are that happy. And then the parents even said to you, Adam, that like he wasn't immediately emotional, but Xander after the fact got pretty emotional. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. It, it was just, it was great. And you know, the, the players, they can give 30 seconds of time and make the day, make the year for some kid. And, and look, to get back to the Brandon Woodruff thing, he talked about that with those kids in, uh, in up in Appleton that he got to meet. And he said, who knows? I made some kids days up there and it meant a lot to Brandon Woodruff too. So I don't know. Again, it's baseball can be a, a beautiful thing when it brings people together like that. So it was a very, very cool story and they made a, a fan for life up in Ontario. So my set of the week first starts with an anecdote and it's when Andrew McCutcheon tells you he's going to do something. I think he's proving that you should trust that he's going to do something because on May 31st, he tweets out, I'm going to get through this funk. And since his 1 for 38 skid, going back to June 5th to now, McCutcheon is hitting 353 with a 450 on base percentage and a 529 slugging. He has three home runs in that time period, a handful of doubles. The guy is going off. And, you know, when they brought him in, he was supposed to be a guy who could really help the Brewers' offense. And especially against left-handed hitters. And he's come in and he has provided quite the offensive surge for the team that has uh, really helped as they've had needed some people to come up big when they were going through their period where they weren't really getting as many wins as they maybe thought they should have. And yeah, it's just been 
he's been on fire since saying, telling the fans, hey, you better watch. I'm coming back. No, he's done great. Well, yeah, and we, we you know, look, offense, we, like I said, they, they need more offense. They all say it. Rowdy said it um, the other night after the series opening loss to the Blue Jays. Um, and the guys in the middle of the lineup need to do a lot of the damage, and that's often McCutcheon. So it's a big deal in the big picture to get his back going a little bit. And this whole thing about lefties, like they're trying to hit lefties. McCutcheon is a guy with the track record to do it. And all three of our stats of the week had something to do with Twitter. So <laughs> there we go. Oh, what yeah. are we all obsessed oh. with? Yeah. Mm. Put our phones what, down. Which social media channel do we have a problem with? <laughs> uh, I, but I believe they're three and zero oh against their last three lefties, aren't they? Dating back to Dustin Another Peterson. fact check. Yeah, I have no idea. Well, yeah, they did really good against Kikuchi. Um, no, that's a good that's a good stat, Brad. And then they also beat uh, the lefty against the Reds. I can't remember anyone who's not Hunter Green on the Reds. Anyway, great stat, killer stat, Brad. Suck it, not stat people. <laughs> All right, Adam. True or false? Hmm. Devin Williams is an All Star. I will say, well, I, I mean, Devin Williams is pitching great. Closers make the all-star team. It's almost always. Now, I'm talking about should be. Should oh, be. should be then. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, he's been almost perfect. Um, he's throwing, and I love that he's adapting, right? The the fastball, forcing fastball percentage, uh, 33.5% last year, 42% this year. He's throwing it more. He's throwing the airbender less because the hitters are just taking their chances on the airbender and kind of sitting on it, and he's having to adapt. And I love that he's doing that and having success. So, in terms of like should be 100%, he's pitching like an all-star. I'm just saying when they pick the team, history shows you it's almost always the the closers who get the love there. Except for the Brewers have a pretty good track record of making a breaking history. I mean, they did get Jeffress to the all-star game. Yeah, as a replacement, right? Uh, Wasn't he added sh- later? Don't ruin my narrative. Don't ruin my narrative. Tim, well, and the, look, that's the other thing to remember. When they name these teams, the voting process is different this year. I, frankly, I don't even exactly. I know the first round of voting for position players ends this week, but there's always additions, right? There's guys are lined up to pitch for their team so they can't appear in the All-Star game. And like, let's try not to get everybody all worked up when the All-Star team is named and your favorite guy isn't on there. Because there always are replacements and the team changes. No, get worked up. Well, I mean, if you want to get worked up, go vote for a hitter if there's a hitter. Yeah, go vote for Willie Adamas. Go vote for Omar. Go vote for, I don't know, other people. Tim. uh, (laughs) Can you just say vote for everybody that's a brewer? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, vote for brewers. Yeah, vote vote for brewers. I was going to say Hunter Renfro, and then that threw me off because womp womp. But, Tim, true or false, Devin Williams should be an all-star. Yes, should be an all-star. You start looking at some of the, the people that make it that aren't closers. Um, you have to be really good. And what has Devin Williams been? He's been the best. He's got the most holds of anybody. I think it's 18 holds and most in all of baseball. And when you start taking you that away, he has five saves. So it's not like he's only a holdsman. He's also a savesman. And so you start putting that <laughs> together. It's like, that's a pretty good case. And you look at the walks way down, the strikeouts way up. Um, the amount of games that he's thrown, uh, the the hits and average against, like that matches up. I had to look up a little bit of the, the all-star people from last year, but Andrew Kittredge, 
Um, similar numbers made the all-star team. I think Devin Williams has a great case and I think it'd be a great story too, to see, you know, what he's done since, you know, the end of his season last season. So for him to come back and be an all-star, I think it'd be awesome. And I think he deserves it. Tim with 4th of July. Come, Oh yeah. Also true. Devin Williams, all-star. If Devin Williams isn't an all-star, we ride Tim 4th okay. of July is coming up. What food or drink item is essential at honey 4th of July barbecue or party? Uh, food or drink? Uh, probably yeah. dog and a beer. Isn't that the answer to every question there is? It's dog and a beer. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, when we find out about Tim's heart health in uh, <laughs> a year or two, don't be surprised. Adam, <laughs> essential food or drink item at any holiday barbecue? A perfect watermelon. Ooh. I love the watermelon salad where you put in uh, feta and mint. Has anyone ever had that delight? Yeah, that's pretty good. That is my go-to if I need to bring something to a party and it looks like I made something where really all I did is cut up a watermelon and put in feta and mint. It's it's genius. Um, That is like one of my absolute favorite things and it's really, really good on the 4th of July. Mm. Show me potato salad. I love a good (laughs) potato salad. Don't shake your head, Adam. You just went on a rant about how much you love mint and goat cheese. If you got (laughs) to put a wooden spoon (laughs) into a mayonnaise jar, it's just wrong. (laughs) That's terrible. All right. No, no, no. Tim, Tim, you're wrong. Potato salad is right up your alley because you just eat like all American food. And potato salad is, even though it comes from other countries, an all American food. And then Tim's sitting there like, oh, and then Adam's sitting here like, you know what I love? I love at my holiday party to have a small plate with a little bit of uh, mushroom with a side impersonation. Is that what I sound like on this podcast? (laughs) No, it's not an accurate impersonation. It's uh, an impersonation of fancy Adam party. Oh, okay. <laughs> fancy party, Adam. Yes. So th- that's it. But before I lose my mind, we need to go. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to follow our hosts. You can follow Tim Dillard at Dim Tillard on Twitter and Instagram. You can also watch him on the Bally's Pre and Post Game Show. Look for Adam McAlvey at Adam McAlvey on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and read all all his amazing content on brewers.com including that amazing rowdy story that's up right now of course make sure you're following me the brewers on instagram twitter and tiktok we'll see you next week thanks for listening